So it's good to see you again after um, yeah. it's been about a year, perhaps. You're uh, you're looking well considering the, um, uh, the deadly heat wave um, oh. been going through. <laughs> I don't know what this deadly heat wave is. Now it's been raining nonstop here for about four or five days. It's been about uh, between eighteen and twenty degrees. It's not July weather at all. And yeah. yesterday I was on a, a film shoot in Suffolk and it pelted it down the entire day. We were cold. We were wet. Oh, I keep looking at the news with all these red maps everywhere, and I'm thinking, where is this supposed to be? It's not here. Um, not I don't here. know. I don't know. Oh, that's strange. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I mean, occasionally you do have um, hot weather, uh, but uh, I'm what about in Greece and uh, Italy and places like that? I talked to friends in Palermo, for example, in Sicily, and they said it wasn't that bad. I uh, yeah. I saw something online. It was a funny thing on Twitter, and somebody said, uh, "Look at the the weather map we've just produced of Palermo with forty degrees or forty five or whatever it was, and then go to the BBC weather app, uh, the weather news. Sorry, then go to the BBC weather app right. to look at the actual recorded temperature in Palermo, and it was thirty five, and it was the same. Ah. It happened in the same place, Greece, Palermo, and somebody told me that they've been recording ground temperature instead of air temperature oh, yes <laughs> maybe they just they just want a bit of attention maybe. i don't know they're certainly grabbing some headlines but i've not experienced that heat wave and i know some friends on the continent are also not experiencing this crazy heat wave so it's a mystery it's a real mystery yeah. <laughs> wrapped inside I, I you know etc yeah, etc yeah. et well uh... Yeah, I got a friend in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, according to our news here, mm. they've had, uh, I think they said uh, 21 or 22 days over 43 degrees. Okay. Uh, which is, what, 110? 110, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but look, it's a hellhole at the best of times. Uh, well, exactly. Me last time I was there. Exactly. You only got to <laughs> add two or three degrees to, to Arizona, and that's all you need to tip the balance, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, Tony. Go ahead. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Andy has um, Andy has a very, very excited to speak to somebody. He talks about himself in the third person, obviously, but he's also <laughs> very, right. uh, very uh, focused and very. I find it very, very hard to not interrupt, and that's been my interviewer, like uh, with the, the hard learned lesson over the last two years. You're interviewing them, Andy. Let them speak. <laughs> because yeah, for years I was the interviewee. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're nowhere near as bad as some. I tell you, oh, good. Uh, including me. Okay. I, uh, if I'm interviewing someone, uh, I practically tell them what to say. Oh, this is what you meant to say. I assume okay. you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't you mean? Never mind. 1876. Is it okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I've got the new hey, book um, and uh, signed. Oh, great, really, great. You know, really appreciate it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and now I like it's, the cover. I, I love the cover, but it's joined my collection of the other books. Yeah. So, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Oh, good, good on you, mate. Look, thanks. Well, I, I appreciate your words of encouragement. Well, I mean, it's. Um, I find myself in the opposition uh, these days of uh, rubbing shoulders with uh with former heroes you know still heroes but people that like that encouraged me <laughs> along the the road to to research 
and that, that's a real privilege. This book is very interesting, and I, I think what really interested me is is, is the simplicity of, of the setup, yeah. the contents. Even yeah. when you go in there, you get the colonial era, the early modern era, the, and the modern era with those dates, you know, 1788, 1900, 1901, 1974, 1975 to present. And what interested me about that is, of course, most of us Bigfooties would uh, associate the history of the Yowie to the popularity of the American, North American Sasquatch. And that must be something that yeah. you you have to, uh, a little trial that you have to work through with people all the time. You know, so I would mm. like to ask you, just starting with that, that colonial era, what is it about the reports in that era that that um, that indicate a hairy man and not some you know Aboriginal legend that we've co opted into this modern phenomenon? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, well, um, I was interested in the colonial era, the very early reports, right from the beginning of my research back in the uh, uh, early to mid nineteen seventies because um, I suspected initially that someone here in Australia was just having lots of fancy and um, copying the American reports, uh, as you might say, aping, aping our American cousins, uh, particularly uh, the late Rex Gilroy. I thought, oh, he must be, this, this can't be right. He was the first... Uh, investigator of the modern era mm. with Yowies. And he was a difficult man to talk to and rather unconvincing as a, uh, as a, as a witness. Uh, so for a couple of years, I thought, you know, he's just, he's just, uh, having, um, uh, he, he's, he's latching onto the American, yeah. um, Bigfoot phenomenon, uh, plus having uh, hallucinations, but turned out he was right. Uh, there is a long, long tradition of uh, Australian British pioneers seeing Yowies, and then, of course, the Aboriginal traditions going back to the year dot. So uh, I was always um, keen to uh, ferret out those colonial literary reports just to reassure myself, because um, I thought, well, you know, how on earth could we have such creatures here? Mm. When, when they have them in, um, in Canada and the States and apparently something pretty similar in the Himalayas. That's all I knew back then. So, uh, it was a while before, um, I actually met and interviewed Yowie witnesses myself. In fact, it wasn't until after I'd returned from a two year expedition overseas chasing Sasquatches, Bigfoot and Yetis and the Orang Mawas and other Harry men. And uh, uh, Paul Cropper came on the scene, at least in my awareness, in 1981. And we got together as um, collaborators. And um, he uh, had already dug out a lot of these colonial era reports. So um, it wasn't long. Um, you'll see in our first book, Out of the Shadows, we had 83 um, Yowie reports, not many by today's standards. Uh, that book came out in 1994. Uh, so uh, we were happy enough with those reports. It, it proved to our satisfaction that creatures 
weren't just some kind of spin-off from the Sasquatch. But um, we, um, we continued researching, and um, in our second book, The Yowie, we had um, 300 reports, but only 100 of those were pre-1975. So we had about 50 from the pure colonial era, mm. 1788 to 1901, and then about another 50 for the decades from 1901 to 75. Uh, so we, we were happy with that, 300 reports. You know, it did seem That's to prove something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we thought, I, I think I may have mentioned this to you, after that ordeal of um, putting that book together, and I know you must find it exhausting. Yes. But you know <laughs> what it's yeah. like when you finish a book, you think, never yeah. again, never again. East of Britain, no, I've done it, I've done it. Don't want to know about it. We, no. we were saying we don't want to hear the word Yowie again, never again. Mm. Um, that's our last word, but Paul couldn't help himself. He's a great researcher and he just kept going through the old newspaper files mm. and people would, uh, people inspired by a book would contact us and say, oh, hey, our grandfather saw one of those. Wow. Uh, or our father. Uh, or in many cases, I saw one of those, you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, we thought, well, we're just going to have to come out with a, another book. And um, so we came out with the Yowie file. Yeah. And it was at first intended to be purely a, a source book, just a catalogue of cases with minimal, minimal linking uh, text. And uh, it was... A, more or less supposed to be a free-floating appendix to the Yowie, the 2006 book. But um, it, uh, well, we couldn't control ourselves. The, the linking testimony uh, between some of these cases, you know, the the newly unearthed colonial era cases and the modern era cases mm. that came from virtually the same spot, you know, same side of the same mountain, mm. 150 years apart. We had to point that out, you know. We had to say, hey, go and look at case 271 or something, you know, uh, and uh, and you'll see the link. And we had to point out um, other things, um, um, these high strangeness details that, that mm. I know is are a bit um, disconcerting to some people. Yeah, but um, we had to um, we had to say, well, it does seem, for instance, it does seem strange that um, a lot of these reports, modern reports, obviously not colonial era reports, modern era reports, a significant number seem to occur right under uh, electrical power lines uh. or uh. near electrical installations like microwave yes. towers. Uh, or the creatures are attracted to fuse boxes on the side of houses, mm. or they're they're seen in the middle of a lightning storm, uh, and that uh, that electrical uh, effect is also mentioned in some of the That's colonial strange. era reports mm. with, with with respect to uh, lightning storms. Some of the pioneers in a couple of areas said the hairy man, or the wild man of the woods, as they called it sometimes then, 
uh, seems to appear at, during or after stormy weather. Huh. And um, some of the Aborigines on this side, the eastern side of the continent, say that, and some way up in the northwest, like 3,000 kilometres away, mm. also say that. So um, I don't want to harp on that too much, but that's one of the high strangeness elements. Um, that's very interesting. Uh, that um, we've noticed. And um, that um, electrical uh, activity element is mentioned in some of these American books, you know. Yes. Like, um, uh, like uh, Tom Powell's book yeah. um, and a, a few others. But anyway, be that as it may, so... Um, Anyway, you're, you're definitely letting me. Uh, no, I am, but it's, it's so uh, no, it's yeah, so yeah, interesting that I, me, uh, I didn't want to stop you. Here, right? No, no, it, but I mean, I could, I could sit back, Tony. I could let you talk for the entire hour. I'd be happy with that. But um, <laughs> what you <laughs> mentioned, <laughs> but well, what you mentioned about the electrical side of things actually put me onto something. In some of the UK reports, which are a lot more difficult to substantiate, um, famously lacking mm -hmm. in provenance, but still that electrical power lines aspect did come up several times not only oh. that but seen around old uh megaliths and dolmens and uh barrows oh, yes. somebody right. suggested could they be in the same way as some of the big cats sometimes follow the railway lines could these be mm -hmm. uh markers routes that they follow i suppose a straight line is as straight as it's going to get with, uh, you know, an in, in infrastructure and installation. Or yeah. could this electrical attraction be to do with this perceived um, this perceived ability to detect heat or thermal, uh, I suppose, thermal infrared elements? You know, um, mm -hmm. I don't understand it personally myself. It's a bit of a stretch. Do they have that in common? Mm -hmm. I know that your Yowie sometimes has these luminous eyes that are seen at night, yeah. luminous without a, an outside light source. Yes. Is, is this something to do with a, a type of visual um, super superpower that they have? I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm, I'm, re I'm reaching, I'm well, stretching, but it just seems well, to, to be the, a link yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, uh, the late Yowie phenomenon is a mystery wrapped in an enigma, you know, wrapped in another mystery. Yeah. Same goes for your British um, Bigfoot yeah. and uh, and the Sasquatch. I mean, yeah, the um, the glowing eyes, you know, where where many witnesses, not all, but many say the eyes were glowing, but we didn't have a torch mm. shining on the creature. The eyes seem to be glowing brightly as if lit from within and uh you you know that that happens in north america too but yes. again not all the time i mean quite often someone's got a great big spotlight right in mm. one of these things faces and the the eyes aren't reflecting you know and uh then it, it's there's a few reports where people see the eyes and then the eyes blink out you know, whether whether the creature literally blinks, I don't know. But yeah. um, they seem to be able to possibly turn it on or off. Well, I mean, why should they glow some of the time and in, in some mm. instances not? Um, I just don't know. But uh, uh, 
in, in a, a couple of our cases, um, um, motorbike engines uh, have cut out when these creatures have been nearby okay. too, um, with the with the riders saying, oh, I'm surprised, I don't know why it cut out. Mm. Um, there are a couple of American reports of them uh, killing the motors of cars. Mm. So I, I don't know. As, as, I, as you may remember, I think I bored you silly with my paranormal theory such as it is. It's important because it's um, – I often think the paranormal side of things, it's it's in my uh, – usually, not always, but it's when it comes to animal-like creatures, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's it's a yet-to-be-explained ability. And I always bring it back to yeah. the, you know, the first man who dove below the ocean and suddenly witnessed an octopus not only take on the colour of the rock or – coral crop that was on but oh, the shape of it yes. at the same time yeah, yeah. so somebody 400 years ago that would have been inexplicable a supernatural power we cannot mm. explain by any yeah. modern scientific uh methods and yet we know how they do it now very simple we understand how it works and mm. could could the yowie yeah in sasquatch what was all these things especially if they're nocturnal have some ability to, to detect heat or as is often put forward with the infrasound, some kind of frequency that they're able to emit that's used mm. for hunting prey and also has a detrimental mm. effect upon electrical equipment. I'm preaching to the converted. I know you've yeah, already thought no, of no, this, but no, what, what's your it, opinion? It could be, yeah. The um, um, ultra-low sound um, mm. has been proven to discombobulate some humans, you know, and make them hallucinate um uh and uh of course um it's it's been proven that tigers and some other big predators emit um ultrasound or what they called uh, infrasound uh, yeah super yeah. super low so yeah. and um uh, certainly there are some reports of yowies um uh, mesmerizing wallabies at least sorry some i mean one that i can think of particularly uh, where I interviewed the lady witness. Uh, she was looking out the back uh, window of her house at six in the morning up at um, near where um, Gary Opet lives up um, Mullumbimby Way. And um, he, uh, she had a, an area of lawn and then the deep forest. And there was a little wallaby out there sitting rigidly staring into the um the tree line uh, and she she looked at it and looked away and looked back and she thought that's yeah, pretty strange it's been there for about a minute you know just and then she saw something huge just over behind the first layer of shrubs in that tree line some big broad-shouldered thing with a, a head just crouched down and um uh, she said it, it couldn't have been anything other than a yowie. It was so big. And uh, this wallaby was looking straight in that direction. So uh, I'd say that um, they, if it wasn't using infra, was it infrasound? Or was infrasound, it yeah. Infrasound. Yeah. If it wasn't using infrasound, it was using telepathy or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, snakes uh, supposedly can... Um, uh, mesmerize um rodents and so on yeah. can't they so yeah 
I don't know. Some humans can mesmerize others. So. Yeah, I, but, I, uh, I, I'm sure that's in fact how I ended up getting married. Just, um, <laughs> 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 I don't know what happened. We met, we had a drink. I, I, now, was I proposing. snapped out of it. I said, I oh, said, you did. Wake oh, up, wake you broke up. the spell. <laughs> you broke the spell. Three, two, one, near back um, in the room again. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I would, gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely think no. that. Well, you can sometimes when you, uh, when you observe the, the predate, the predation of snakes upon small rodents, it does appear that either they mesmerize them or the rodents have some instinctive uh, uh, ability to, to keep still because if I don't move, it won't get me. So it's hard to decide which no, one that is, I suppose. Um, that's a possibility, isn't mm, it? Mm, you know, uh, perhaps yeah, just I looking know, at it but... is it keeps the animal mm. still enough for you to make a move. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, um, oh, I shouldn't have flogged this paranormal thing to death, but that's um, fine. There, okay. there are so, so many, so many. So many odd things about the the Sasquatch. Um, I think I mentioned this book last time. I seen I recently in? interviewed Joshua uh, about his new uh, book, Fairies on Film, and uh, he's a lovely ah, guy. Fairies on, I, film. Fairies on Film. Well, it's a contributor book. He's the editor, uh, but it's uh -huh. very very interesting. And uh, where the footprints end, it's actually it's in my wish list. I haven't pressed purchase yet to my regret but it looks like a great book i think i should get it too because i'm a great admirer of um mm. these two books that uh, yeah. uh that uh joshua wrote with um with uh timothy renner yeah uh pretty freaky looking covers aren't they but, i love um, the covers yeah they're fantastic yeah. covers but there's a lot of the um paranormal high strangeness uh, elements that they mention in regard to mainly the Bigfoot are identical to what happens here. Yeah. Uh, the same, the same with, um, Tom Powell's book, the, um, the locals. You see all his, all his tags. Um, he, he doesn't have an index, I think. Uh, oh, yes, he does. But anyway, I tagged everything in here. Oh, wow. Rang, oh, look at that. <laughs> rang a big bell. These everything there rang a, a really big bell. Yeah. In I just have to explain the, if, um, if anybody's listening, not watching the, the podcast and listening that that Tony oh. has a book that has about a hundred tags. There'd be there'd be forty or fifty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah. It's called The Locals by Tom Powell. He's a retired school teacher, mm. and uh, he was with the. Um, what was it? The um, uh, BFRO, you know, the Bigfoot. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, the BFRO. And, yeah, uh, uh, yeah they're, they're, um, uh, he had to eventually sort of go freelance because he said that he could no longer ignore the mm. high strangeness elements to Bigfoot, the Bigfoot phenomenon. And uh, the uh, BFRO uh, there doctrine or whatever it is yeah. uh, is that no 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 these things have got to be flesh and blood so the he didn't want to yeah, in the he community. didn't want to yeah. get into he didn't want to get into great shouting matches mm. with his old friends uh so um he went out alone but um so but the the um all of these things that i have um 
tagged here have occurred in Australia with the Yowie too. Wow. It's, um, uh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure, I mean, if you looked again, you know, the British Bigfoot sightings are famously lacking in provenance once again. But um, despite that, I do know several witnesses here who I, I wholeheartedly believe. And yet within some of those reports, the things that you're talking about come up again and again. I wonder if the problem between the, the flesh and blood camp and the woo, as we call it, the paranormal, <laughs> the woo, the paranormal, the woosters, the, the, the paranormal yes. uh, believers, <laughs> is that each each is, uh, I suppose, ideologically possessed with a, a sort of a, a right-left paradigm. Perhaps the reality is that they are flesh and blood creatures that have what appear to be supernatural abilities. And because we either believe that supernatural abilities makes a supernatural animal, or flesh and blood abilities makes a flesh and blood animal, we can't join these things together and say, could it just be a creature that we don't understand at this time? Mm. And uh, could we join together on that? Yeah, yeah, I like that term. Was it the woozies? The the woo, uh, W-O-O, the woo. I only call them the woosters as a plural, but um, I don't think that's that's a, a general <laughs> term. They, it's called the woo. Oh, right. Are you flesh and blood or are you part of the woo? Oh, put me down as a woo-woo. Yeah. With <laughs> a capital woo. W. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but the thing is, see, if we were only dealing with... Yeah. Big hairy. If the only big, uh, big hairy ape man reports in the world came from the heavily forested parts of northern Western Canada, okay, we could we could say, well, these paranormal apparent paranormal elements, yes, they might be explainable um, in some way, uh, but you know. It, there are scores of these elements. I mean, there's, there's dozens and dozens of ways in which these things are, uh, they exhibit high strangeness. But the, the thing that is, the, 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 the clincher with me is that here in Australia, we have effectively exactly the same thing mm. as the Canadian Sasquatch. They look the same, they act the same, uh, they... Um, mesmerize animals they um, their eyes glow or don't mm. glow depending on how they're feeling um and it's 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 effectively the same phenomenon so how in god's name mm. can we have them in every state and territory of australia yeah and in every province of canada and every pro every state of the usa yeah uh and then course possibly uh, well uh, uh, the, yeah. some of those british reports read pretty well to me they, no they do yeah. i mean th some of them are very uh, as i always like to put it have lots of um good mundane facts about them good mm. some good mundane yeah. non-essential storytelling that says this is something that happened to me and every time i would tell the story i have to mention that i noticed the street light was out or it was, uh, you know, it was it had been a sunny day. It doesn't matter to the the report. It does makes no difference. Mm -hmm. But it's in the the, the the I would call it kind of the PTSD part of their experience that they can't forget. So it appears yeah. in the retelling. I've got several stories just like that that say to me, "This person experienced this, whether true or not. They believe mm -hmm. it happened wholeheartedly." Yeah, yeah. And I can definitely yeah. go for those. And we do have room. 
keep telling people, you know, only 6.8% of the entire landmass is urban sprawl, including <laughs> roads and motorways. And yeah, yeah, when you yeah, get out, yeah. like I do all the time, you don't see anybody. It's just rolling hills, well, fields and forests and blackness yeah. everywhere. Yes. After yes, dark. that struck me uh, when I had my first good look for the, um, the British alien big cats. Ah, yes. I yeah. thought, holy hell, I thought, well, these days, most farms have only got one guy or one woman mm. operating them, yeah. whereas years ago they'd, they'd have half a dozen, wouldn't they? Yeah. And a lot of the villages now are depopulating. Uh, so, um, and uh, I saw all those hedgerows. I'd never focused on them before. Mm. I thought, geez, you know, some of these, I mean, the hedges are about 20 feet tall or even taller. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you can hardly push through them. Yeah. Um, so I thought, yeah, there's, there's, there is plenty of room for escaped uh, leopards or cougars here. You know, the, the big question is how come nobody shot one dead? Uh, but, um, uh, and, and, but I, so I, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's almost feasible that, plausible that there could be populations of, black leopards and cougars running around in the UK. Um, but Bigfoot, no. I, it's a stretch. I think, it's a big stretch, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I, I may have mentioned this to you. I tend to repeat my stories. The first time I went to Loch Ness, uh, I pulled up at a service station. I think there, were, it was a, there used to be a service station, a pump anyway, at the Klansman, where the Klansman yeah. Hotel is now. Yeah. And pulled up, in, you know, idiot, sort of 22-year-old or something. And um, uh, this old, dour old Scots guy is filling the tank. And so I, like an idiot, I said, um, uh, has anyone seen the monster lately? And he, he didn't even deign to look at me. He said, how can you see what is now there? <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I said, oh. Uh, uh, then later on, I thought, <laughs> silly old bugger, he, he, he ought to read Constance White's book. Yeah. But, um, but the thing is, the thing is, after after 50 years yeah. of searching for all these things, you can see what isn't there. Yes. Because, of you, can. you know, yeah. I mean, I believe that the the Yowie, the Yowie creatures and the Bigfoot creatures mm. are here some of the time. Ah, uh, okay. And then... Somehow or other, mm. they just whoosh or woo woo, as you might say, they and they're not there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they can't be killed. They can't yeah. be tracked. They they can't be photographed properly. Yet people definitely see them. Uh, so yes, you can see what is not there. Same I, with the lake I monsters. Have, I would support that in, in in at least in one way. I think um, uh, on some of the this recent documentary I'm working on with some friends. It's not just about cryptozoology. It's about all different types of strangeness, high strangeness around Britain and different oh, things. Really? Black shark yeah, and different that. things. But the woodworks obviously comes into it. And when I wrote Beast of Britain, the sort of a, a background to the British Bigfoot, I thought the woodworks is an important element of that. Yes, not only yes. as a, not essentially as a proof that it exists, but that there's something in the cultural uh, inherited makeup of the people here that they could interpret yeah. or misinterpret 
as a hairy man before us because it's on our cathedrals and on the tapestries. And I've been to so many places where there's, you know, a thousand-year-old effigy carving misrecord tapestry, in some cases, of a hairy mm. man. And yes. could this be the god Sylvanus or some, you know, bastardized version of it? Or even, when you had to the club, you know, a reinterpretation of Heracles, the northern and western parts of of Europe, Hercules, the hero, this big, muscular, hirsute mm -hmm. man who wielded yeah. that club and, and um, uh, achieved all of those many wonders, you know, in, in the Greek myths. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, many of our, our cultural artifacts are also artifacts themselves of the older empires and civilizations like the Greeks, like uh, the yeah. Romans, too. So sure. who's to say where we got it from or where we got that mental image in our in our library to mm -hmm. to pluck out uh that image yep. of the woodwose or the hairy man so yeah it's it's a tough one i'd say if they're an intelligent animal like the yaoi that they could still live here in small very small numbers but i rather think it's more likely that it's a cultural hangover, something that possibly once was here a long time ago. Mm -hmm. You know, even the medieval right. depictions are are a golden mm -hmm. age interpretation of what was told to people and not seen. You know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, well, of course, Neanderthals uh, lived all over uh, Western Europe for mm -hmm. a hell of a lot longer than we have. Yes, you know, they were there for five hundred thousand years, weren't they? The Neanderthal. Something they like took, that. Uh, yeah. took Homo. Um, sapiens are, are good you know hundred thousand years old to wipe them out or to um, absorb them mm. so uh, who's to say nobody really knows if the uh, neanderthals were hair covered or not no they may well have been because they were, they were in western europe during the ice ages and so on so um yeah it could be um the um, Woodworth is uh, a, you know, collective memory, a genetic memory, or what have you, uh, of the uh, the Neanderthals. Um, here in Australia, well, there's no evidence that um, uh, any primitive hominids got to Australia before the Aborigines. A lot of people speculate that they did. Uh, a lot of people are in a position to make educated guesses, like the um, the guy uh, whose name I forget, <laughs> one of the guys who discovered uh, Homo floresiensis, the um, little um, hobbit human creatures yes. of um, yeah. the Flores. He said, oh, um, I bet they got to Australia. I bet they did. And um, um, Homo erectus got to Flores as well. So, you know, why couldn't they have got to Australia? Mm. Uh, I, I think it's now accepted that the Denisovans, who um, were only sort of discovered just, what, eight, ten years ago, uh, they apparently got to New Guinea. So um, someone, uh, some of them could have got to Australia. Whether they, again, whether they were hair-covered, I don't know. They weren't. Eight feet tall, like um, Yowie. That's the. I mean, that's the, the issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but uh, you know, 
Hey, incidentally, um, I don't know how good the camera is on your thing here, but yes. can you oh, see I can see a little ginger the day. Oh, did you see the yeah, I could see him fully. Oh, look at yeah. that. Hey, like, uh, hey, I'm always is. confused about uh, this. Do they say Janjari or Janjari? Or is it just uh, variations uh, of the same name? Uh, oh, the, 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 the terms vary a bit. Um, probably um, both of those pronunciations are all right. Uh, Janjari. Janjari is the uh -huh. um, one that seems to be most uh -huh. common, but there are dozens of different names, Aboriginal names for these creatures. Wow. And, um, but um, when um, Paul Cropper and I wrote the, uh, or published uh, 2006 book, The Yowie, uh, uh, a girlfriend of mine was, um, uh, well, she still is a very good um, maker of teddy bears. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I said to her, uh, <laughs> I don't suppose you could make an eight foot yes. tall yowie for me uh, could you and she said if you want an eight foot tall yowie you're gonna have to make it yourself yeah but she said i'll i'll, I'll make a small one for you and she made i love it mate love over it. there yeah but uh isn't it isn't it amazing that um uh the creatures that lived on flores the homo floresiensis they were human mm. but they were only that Oh, I'll, I'll go over yeah. and stand beside the mm. thing. Yeah, show us. Okay, so look at that. You're about three feet taller than that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. What a great uh, model. Yeah. And, um, and if the, if the Jundaries exist, mm. which... You know, a lot of Aborigines, many, many Aborigines insist that they do. And yeah. in our book here, we've got uh, a few sightings by non-Aboriginal people. Uh, if the Jundjadis exist, they're about that size. Uh, in fact, I, I um, on one trip up to Queensland with that um, little mannequin in the passenger seat of my vehicle, sitting up on a cushion, and uh, I'd freak people out, you know, drive up <laughs> alongside their car on the highway and press the automatic thing for the window to go down and keep you looking out with the hair going and you get these double takes. But one Leaving a, a trail of insurance claims in your wake as you <laughs> yeah, yeah. drive across it's, country. One, one, th one thing, I, I, an incident I feel really quite, guilty about I mean, seriously is um he was sitting in the passenger seat of the vehicle i drove into a service station up the coast and um filled up the gas and this aboriginal woman came out of the service station and i had the passenger side door okay. open and she looked at him in in amazement and and ran well didn't run but walked very quickly around uh. the corner and i heard her yelling out <laughs> to someone and so i looked around there was a, a family a group of aboriginal people there. oh wow and i thought oh shit and um so i um filled up with petrol i drove over i should have just driven off i mean she must have known yeah. that it was a stuffed yeah but yeah. nevertheless it, it got a really excited and i drove over and they were all like, like this, and I don't suppose they I thought said, it was a stuffed, real stuffed gender. I, 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 
don't think so. They, oh, no. Well, initially, maybe. Perhaps. Well, she might have first, originally. Yeah, first look, know. yeah. But, but um, anyway, I, I, I said, oh, I should introduce you to my little friend here, little hairy man. Anyway, I, I felt bad about it because obviously the the law of the Chanjadi, the little hairy man, means a lot mm, to okay. Aboriginal people. And I knew that from talking to an Aboriginal elder. Is it unlucky trip. to see one in Aboriginal law? I forget. Uh, in some areas uh, it okay. is. Uh, it's un unlucky to see the big guys in, ah, okay. in, in some uh, areas. In some areas the Aboriginal people say that little fellows will help you mm. if, if you're... If a child's in trouble or a child's okay, a child's ill, they'll help. But um, um, other people see that Australia is a big country with many, many Aboriginal yeah. uh, groups and languages. Some say the little ones are quite evil and mischievous. Mm. Others say they're good. Some say the big guys are, are really dangerous. Others say, oh no, they're really quite okay. quite good. So you see, I, I think maybe you know that even Aboriginal people don't see these things all the time, mm. and there must be an element of mystery and confusion, even in the minds of Aboriginal, many Aboriginal people about them. But um, yeah, the, uh, I'm going to take uh, this little guy up north again. I've, I've got uh, I've got to go up to um, Queensland uh, in late September. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, no, uh, September, October. Uh, I'm going to drop in and see um, uh, Gary Opet. Oh, that'd um, be great! I love, love Gary. Yeah, it's awesome. yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's always got something going on, and yeah. um, I'll see Dean Harrison uh, at the Gold Coast. I, I, and those then, guys, their work is just astonishing. Every time I tune into their show or check out their page, they're doing something groundbreaking every time. It's amazing. Yes. Yes, uh, particularly uh, Dean. Yeah, yes, yeah, uh, the Yowie Hunters guys. He really, yeah. really. I, I, I thought Dean was going to run out of energy years ago mm. because it's quite intense. You know, it's it's mm. uh, it's quite a job for him to keep to attempt to keep on top of all the information that comes in his yeah. website. Uh, well, if any of the uh, listeners um, uh, don't know about him, it's um, what is it? Um, Yowie Hunters. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. have great uh, YouTube spot as well where they interview witnesses, don't they? Yeah, Harry yeah. Does a podcast, and what I love about the Australian witnesses, and no offense to my American friends, sometimes with the American witnesses, I think it's in their nature they they spin the yarn and they they, they tell the story, whereas Australians <laughs> are very similar. You just get the plain facts of what happened step by step. There's no build up. Yeah. The story starts straight away. You get the description, you get the details, and out. And that's what a researcher <laughs> wants to hear. You know? <laughs> so yeah, every time yeah. I tune into Yowie Hunters, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a good, they're going to get a good down to earth Aussie description of a Yowie encounter now, and that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> There's some classic stuff on his mm. um, his website, and uh, yeah, and his podcast. But, uh, yeah, he's he's good, and uh, so I'll. Um, I'll meet him again on on the, up there, and uh, and then I'm going on to Gympie mm. uh, in in southeast Queensland. Uh, our book features uh, our book, 
Doubles features. Two or three uh, of the cases feature a guy that we call a retired New South Wales policeman. Uh -huh. And in fact, he's, well, it's not giving too much away. He's a Queensland policeman and he's still uh -huh. serving. Okay. Uh, you know, he's, um, but I certainly won't give you his name, but uh, he, uh, He's invited me to stay on his um, farm uh, wow. with Bush Block up there for a little while. So I'll be uh, catching up with him. But um, and yeah, he's is, is he with, he's yeah. getting activity on the farm there? He's having sightings? Uh, he said he said it's a, it's a fairly um, active area. Um, he hasn't seen anything there, but um, there's, there's reports from the area. Uh, he saw um, uh, a... Uh, a Yowie, uh, or two actually, um, uh, down at, um, the hell's the name of the place? Uh, I got, I haven't even seen this moment. It's, it's, okay. it's not far from Gympie anyway, but, um, uh, he was with Dan Harrison on one occasion. They saw a Yowie and he was on the same stretch of the same track mm. alone and he saw another one. He's, he's seen high shine in the, uh, way down the Blue Mountains too when he was a New South Wales cop. But um, anyway, so um, this time around, yeah, I'll be catching up with those guys. Um, and uh, who knows, I my luck might change. Um, perhaps if I leave my Yowie repellent camera uh, at yeah. home, yeah. I might see one. Or just take one that's not digital. And uh, I wondered about that before. It would be easier to capture one of these things on a on a, an old analog camera because you wouldn't have mm -hmm. all of the signals and, and if they can detect that it's a theory i know if they can detect it uh, yeah. why don't just get yourself an old analog camera with some film in it yeah and uh and yeah. see if you can get lucky yeah i used to i have carried both uh, at times uh, but um, that was a few years ago, and you still you can still get the film, can you? I suppose you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, I think you can still yeah. get a film. Yeah, I mean, it's more expensive than it, than it ever was before because it's a special thing now, isn't it? And you've got to get somebody to develop it. But um, I mean, you could even do it yourself with the fluids if you wanted, I suppose. Uh, it's not too difficult yeah, yeah. if you want to go into all of that nonsense and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. setting up the dark room. I guess yeah. it's a bit, bit of a headache. I wanted to ask you a question actually about corroboration between uh, links between little people or little hairy men reports around the world to be more accurate. Uh, the Jen Jardy, I was talking uh, to uh, uh, Cambridge professor Chivers or Chivers um, yesterday, and he was examining some orang pendic prints and of oh, course yeah. he famously set up the one of the orang pendic expeditions in the early noughties where uh, several of his team witnessed the creature and, and collected evidence mm -hmm. he's a primatologist you know 40 40 something years experience and i was asking mm -hmm. him do you think that this orang pendic could be uh an unknown form of gibbon of some kind uh like an outsized mm -hmm. subspecies maybe of uh Simango uh, or Lagibbon, and he said it was possible that it would be a new species. And then I asked mm -hmm. him, could this relate to the Australian Junjidae, perhaps? Because mm -hmm. I was recall, I recalled one of uh, Gary Opitz's daughter and son-in-law's um, encounter with a Nimbinji, the very original variation in 2020, oh, yes. 
they said it was sort yeah. of in the trees, but hollering like a gibbon, almost making noises like a gibbon, and about a yeah. meter and a half tall. And the, yeah. I think his son-in-law was an artist. the The picture he drew of it seemed very gibbon-like. You know, um, oh. do you think there could be a link between these these creatures? Well, I don't know, but um, the. Um, as far as I know, in our files, it's only a minority of cases where these things are in trees. Mm. They're usually bipedal, standing uh -huh. quite straight up. Yeah. They're tailless. Yes. And um, they run on all fours. Um, I mean, run on their hind legs. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, um, I, I don't. I, I haven't seen that. Uh, when I see Gary, I'm going to have to ask to have a look at that, um, yeah. that sketch. The 2020, was it? 2020, uh, uh, Christmas around that time during a visit. I mean, that's oh. the only story in trees I've ever heard. Of course, you know, most gibbons would be terrestrial, I suppose. Well, many gibbons would be terrestrial, not all. I, uh, sorry, but, um, to, to correct that, the Orang Pendic, most Orang Pendic reports are terrestrial, gibbons not. Um, uh. And that would fall in line with most Junjidi reports as well. But you've got these other mm -hmm. little people reports around the world. So, for example, uh, in the Beast of Britain book there, there's a, a little chapter uh, called The Little People or the Hairy Fairy Folk. I wondered if these old mm -hmm. fairy legends, as you mentioned, some of the Aborigines saying these little hairy men helping people sometimes or doing housework mm -hmm. and chores for porridge or milk or cream. Could mm -hmm. those be archaic memories of a similar creature that once existed around the world and now lives in small patches in Sumatra, uh, Australia, etc. Mm, I don't know, but... Um, and he's but really stretching today. Uh, well, well, yeah, but yeah, certainly some of those elements, yeah. you know, those the helpful, helpful um, little person elements of the Janjadi story are highly reminiscent of European fairy lore. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, very reminiscent. Uh, and... Um, the Aborigines, some of them um, seem to attribute, um, yeah, fairy-like qualities to the Janjadi. Oh, excuse me. And they say, some of them say the um, the old initiated men of the tribe can um, uh, speak to them and, you know, communicate with them. Oh, I don't wow. know whether they have okay. very deep and meaningful conversations, but, oh, excuse me. Um, okay. Uh, so it's it's um, a bit hard to say, but um, certainly the um, little hairy man uh, type appears uh, all over the world. I um, I may have mentioned that, that I went to Fiji mm. for only about ten days one time. I stopped over there and um, investigated a um, an episode where um, some little two foot tall glowing-eyed, hair-covered mm. men had been encountered by school children at Latoka in Fiji. Oh. And uh, they uh, they ran to a hole in the ground and jumped in and uh, disappeared. Wow. Anyway, the, um, the uh, headmaster who I <coughs> talked to, he said he believed them. And uh, he was Indian by ethnicity. The kids were um, most most of them were um, Fijian, Melanesian, 
that they were Indian kids as well. Mm. And um, uh, all the villagers from all around the place got very excited. The local term for the, these little creatures is Leka, L-E-K-A. And um, so um, they, um, some of the villagers filled in the hole with, with rocks, unfortunately. It wasn't very deep anyway, but um, about eight feet down and uh, there was a possible side um, cavern uh, tunnel. But um, certainly that was um, uh, a fairy-like story. The only kid that I managed to talk to who had been present, uh, he was so shy that he, uh, I could get virtually nothing out okay. of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know whether he regretted sort of making it up or whether oh. he, he, he was just shy, I think. Have some strange so, um, man from an unfamiliar culture turns up one day and has very peculiar yeah. questions to ask about your sighting and it's a bit nerve-wracking for a child. Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I tend to believe they, they saw them. I mean, yeah. English children see fairies and... Yes. Uh, um, Australian Aboriginal people see um, Junjadis. Yeah. Some of them have seemed perhaps to be more physically real mm. than than others. Um, like the British fairies don't hang around for very long, do they? No. Uh, no. Um, usually, as soon as you turn away, they're gone. But um, the um, yeah, the Junjadis stay in sight. Um, sometimes minutes on end um so um yeah i don't know it's just um, a question about that, actually talking about european fairy law british fairy law mm -hmm. i suppose in, in this instance um it you know it sort of stands out to me that uh, in central and south america their their little person or one of the most famous little people types is the duende and of course um, that also exists in Spain and Portugal, its origination point. And oh. I always wondered, with the colonists going around the country and meeting people from Australia, from the Americas and all the other places mm. that we went, how much of our uh, our folklore was passed on to mm. those people? How much did they imbibe mm. and then perhaps later believe to be part of their own tradition? Could mm -hmm. some of what we're seeing be that as in the Duende, for example? Now, most Duende mm -hmm. reports come all from Central South America, not Spain or Portugal at all. You know, yeah. It comes from the colony. And could we be witnessing something mm -hmm. like that in North America and also in Australia and some of these other places? Or is it just possible that uh, these stories exist all around the world and some of what we're uh, experiencing are... Uh, the Aboriginal peoples of Australia or wherever else, um, reinterpreting their stories in our own terms so we understand them. Um, yeah, well, um, certainly uh, it has been suggested. Uh, well, Graham Joyner, for instance, who was an early Yowie researcher, he uh, has said that, um, well, at some stage, he believed that uh, it was possible that the Australian Aborigines were influenced by 
British people mm. coming here and uh, and talking about the woodwouse, you know, yes. uh, the wild man of the woods in 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 uh, in Europe, uh, and uh, referring to um, the Yahoo out of Gulliver's Travels, um, but certainly. Um, in some of the very earliest European reports we have, people, the, the, um, British pioneers refer to the Australian hairy men as the wild man of the woods. Uh-huh. You know, just as the people in, in Europe used to refer to the, um, to the wild men there. Uh, and, um, uh, Graham Joyner, points out that um, in Gulliver's Travels, Gulliver is marooned on an island where there are yaoi-like creatures, except they have tails. They're very uncouth, mm. monkey-like, half-monkey, half-human, and they're called yahoos. Mm. Well, uh, when the earliest British settlers were interviewing Aborigines about the hairy man in Australia, they said that the Aborigines called these creatures yahoos. Mm -hmm. Some of the Aborigines used the term yahoo. Well, to my mind, it it could have been a genuine Aboriginal term, uh, and it's just a coincidence that Jonathan Swift used that term in Gulliver's Travels because it's only two syllables after all. And uh, Yahoo uh, is a word that's not that, doesn't sound that much different from Yowie yeah. or Yaru or Yori, which are different um, words, or Wowie, which are um, a genuine Aboriginal terms. So uh, I think it's just a coincidence. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, it is weird. I mean, well, it's a weird coincidence that uh, Jonathan Swift <laughs> set that island uh, in Gulliver's Travels where Gulliver got marooned. He he placed it uh, just off the South Australian coast. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> near where the town of Eucla is now. And um, uh, he wrote that book in 1726. Mm long before James Cook mapped the east coast of Australia. Wow. So in in Jonathan Swift's day, in Gulliver, Gulliver's day, that point on the south Australian coast was the absolute limit of the known world. Mm. I, and I guess that's why Jonathan Swift said, well, there's Isle of um, the Winhams where Gulliver got shipwrecked and met these Yahoos, these ape men. Uh, it was at the you know very extremity of the known world, but uh, it is pretty weird that you know. I mean, it's a, a good coincidence that there you have Gulliver meeting these uncouth Yahoos, yes, yeah. uh, and uh, and then the Aborigines calling the hairy man Yahoos I, in southeast Australia. I wonder um, what. Is there any possibility that any of the sailors who, who or the settlers who first started to occupy that part of Australia would have had 
mm. this book would have kept it would have had this this reference with them at any point it just it's it's curious to me that there must be an unknown unrecorded um dropping off point for this this legend to enter the country i i, I think that the yaoi is theirs the aboriginals i think it's but some as you mentioned the the yahoo that the possibility that some of its interpretation at least so that we understand it is taken from our own vernacular is strong that's that's what i'm, I'm proposing i guess yeah well could be the uh whole thing uh the yaoi uh mystery is uh just a mystery wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a yeah. another mystery you know? yeah there's all so many elements to it but it's uh it's certainly fascinating and it's it's very difficult to let go of you know <laughs> as i said after well, 2006 when we wrote the uh, preceding book mm -hmm. to this uh we said that's it never no, don't want to hear the word yaoi again mm -hmm. don't don't talk to me about hairy ape men but you know, we're still chasing the damn things. Uh, perhaps not as fleet-footedly as we used to. Uh, okay. uh, I went out to the an area on the river here just recently with a, a guy who reckons he's had an encounter out there, okay. but um, it's the Murrumbidgee River. Uh, it's possible. It's just downstream, upstream from where um, one was definitely seen in the... Um, 1980s and where one was supposedly killed by aborigines in 1847 mm. uh it places also infested with black panthers out there well oh, wow. that is okay. to say there's been many re several mm. reports along that stretch of river so um it, it could be but um no this trip to queensland uh in september will be the first proper well, it's not an expedition, but I'll be doing a bit of, yeah, I'll be out in the bush. I'll, I'll take the plaster of Paris. I'll take okay. the, uh, wow. the cameras. I'll have the dash cam going, you know, in case one decides to do the run across the road. Fantastic. Act. Uh, but, um, yeah. So, um, so, so what's your next, uh, expedition or well, are you, are you, so you make we, a film, you were saying. We're making a, a documentary. It's called Weird Britain. And um, it, it features all kinds of things. There is a little bit of cryptozoology in it. But most of the, mm. the, the items are outside of my normal comfort zone. So it's it's good for me in a sense because I can go in objectively and just interview yeah. the adherents or the, um, the, the, the curious people that have taken on these interests. And just like ourselves, you know, I always say that, um, I used to say that um, one man's Bigfoot is another man's werewolf and vice versa, you know. <laughs> yeah, one, one man's yeah. Nessie is another man's, you know, UFOs. What, what seems strange to us also from somebody else's perspective, uh, it seems strange to the outside world and we're all weird in some way. So it's an interesting series. <laughs> we are, and we will be, um, I think we will be going to a few cryptozoological sites as well right. we recently right. in Bungay uh, to investigate the 1577 attack of the black shook and we went to all the, the black dog there. oh wow black i gotta get one of those mugs were oh, they was that have... um, Bungay? yeah we were oh wow okay. yeah but they didn't have any yet uh, they didn't have any uh merch well this <laughs> is because there's a new festival that happens every year and uh this is oh, the yes. second year of it 
and they set up a black shop just for the week of the festival, black shop shop. And so we uh, interviewed a chap there who, I'll send you a picture of it, who actually dressed Mm. as the Black Shook and gave a very theatrical performance in the (laughs) Church of Bungay. uh, Yes, the whole thing with the, the, well, that's Blytheborough with the Scorched Rocks. That's the second location with the the steeple clap. So we've done Blytheborough, but we also investigated Aston Abbey where that seven foot long canine skeleton was uncovered by archaeologists. Uh, oh, about three yeah. years ago, and yeah. so um, oh, I didn't know about that. Yes, they discovered the seven-foot-long skeleton of a canine buried underneath the abbey in the grounds because it's a ruin, mm. it's a wreck, it was destroyed, or I suppose it was it was ended by Henry VIII because he wanted to get rid of all the Catholic monks and take them, <laughs> yeah. and the locals started taking you know stones away, and now it's it's a sure. it's a ruin. And uh, mm. archaeologists were given uh, permission to dig there for artifacts. I think it was 2017 yeah. or 18. They uncovered, I'll send you a link to the story, a seven-foot skeleton yeah. of a canine, yeah. which yeah, is in I the area. It's a really, really big dog from the nose to the tip of the tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose a pretty bloody big dog, though, isn't it? So, yeah, maybe a large Irish wolfhound or something like that. Yeah. Nice big Still an interesting... Um, so, do you know if there's any black dog stories attached to that um, ruin or that? Um... Not to the ruin, but it would make sense. And the ruin, I mean, the, the abbey would have been in, uh, uh, by the time 1577, it was still in use. It was still in active use, oh, as far as I'm aware. Uh-huh. Or it would have been at oh, least, right. uh, uh, it would have at least been. Um, a solid structure when they're being demolished at that point yeah yeah and uh it, yeah. perhaps perhaps if there was some animal it could it could have been buried beneath or perhaps a large dog died and in memoriam of this legend or some uh guard mm. against evil it was buried yeah. in church grounds yeah. holy ground that would seem right. to be the only thing that would make sense you bury something evil yeah. in holy ground so it yeah. can't Leave again, oh, come back to life. There's a mistake through its heart or anything. Next to the heart, yeah. garlic so, pizza. Um, you know. <laughs> so, how far from Bungay is that? It's about five miles, six, five or six miles. It's um. Oh, oh, so it's close. I'll I'll send it to you. It's it's an interesting yeah. story because mm-hmm. I suppose it's got such a great connection to the original legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have been. Uh, yeah. So, what's the name of the place again? Leiston Abbey. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send e- you. Leiston. Leiston. L-E-I-S-T-O-N. Leiston um, Abbey. Yeah, Abbey. I'll, I'll, I'll send you links mm. to the articles and the locale. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll email it all to you. Oh, great. So you can see Jeez, it. I'd love, to get back to the, I'd love to get back to the UK. Really. I should. Jeez, uh, mm. uh, God, I'll tell you what. I'm feeling my age, though, mate. I really am. How old are you? Well, it's 78. Not one of these 78-year-old guys who runs double marathons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they I, I suddenly. They're in the Diet Suddenly crew, anyway, the, the marathon guys. They look yeah, right yeah. as rain, and next day, they're just gone. Aren't they? Yeah. You know? but, uh, I, might, I, might, yeah. I think I could handle the UK. Um, uh, yeah, I, I still hike, you know, every yeah. uh, couple of times a week uh, with okay. mates. And, uh, but um, I noticed this morning, I don't know what it was, I must have slept badly, you know. Yeah. Went for a fifty minute walk around here and I was just oh God, you know, when when, when can I get home and put yeah. my feet up? 
Dirt. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the UK, lovely place. Yeah, and there's something, something fascinating about it around every corner, you know. It's, mm. Wow, look at this. You know, wait until you get to Australia, you'll think, geez, you know, pretty dull place. No, we don't have well, much well, in the, the, the wildlife from that perspective, I yeah. think. But, um, yeah. of course, you know, even though there's not, I suppose, the same ancient architectural infrastructure with the Aboriginal people, there's 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 a lot of law to learn and that's a nice aspect yeah. to get hold of people um and yeah. i don't think you have to leave your buildings and ruins to to make a contribution you can still have it <laughs> yeah. you know in years of people i love europe for that that reason i've um so big on history i don't i can't live in a new house uh, in our house which i don't consider to be particularly the oldest from 1866 and it just oh, wow. It has to be, I think, the one I grew up with was around the 1700s. And even then, you can buy houses here from the 1500s or 1400s. Yeah, yes. And it just, I think, house, for me, it just feels it needs to be lived in to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. what it is. I can't get used to it. Yeah. And when I feel old things, to put my hand on them, or, you know, they're near them, I, it, it feels solid. Mm. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of character. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, they uh, they somehow absorb um, I don't know something from everyone who's been in the house and uh, yeah yeah this house nobody's lived here other than my family we wow. uh, we built it in nineteen eighty six wow okay <laughs> so, okay yeah it's okay it's it's not too bad but um, it looks it yeah looks very like nice and spacious. The old dart, yeah, it's not too bad. It's 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 warm. You know, we had minus five degrees. Really? Uh, Celsius. Yeah. Celsius. Oh, <laughs> we morning, work in Celsius too, by the way. Never found oh, oh. you know. I do get um, a bit confused. Do you, do you still have miles though, don't you? We just still have or miles have... and Celsius. So Celsius and miles. Uh liters for 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 bottles, but pints for alcoholic drinks. Oh, uh, so it's it's this weird so. with pounds and ounces, but you can also have grams for certain things. If you go to, um, if you go to a grocer, like a street grocer, you might buy a kilo of something, but you can also ask for a yeah. few pounds of potatoes or. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and it's weird the crossover. So we're yeah. living in this imperial and metric sort of world. Yeah. So, like, well, at least you you're sort of heading. Heading towards the future slowly, um, the poor old Yanks are still stuck with, um, you know, inches and, uh, you know, the carpenters are still working with five sixteenths of an inch. Everything yeah, we, else, we so. do that too. We work in inches and feet. Yeah, yeah. good God, inches, feet, yeah. yards, um, miles. Uh, it's just the weights and measures which seem to have uh, weights and yeah. measures and volume seems to have a sort of a crossover. Gallons oh, for petrol. Yeah. Gallons for petrol. Gallons, gallons, oh, gallons. Wow. But it's it's price per liter on the board. You get this weird crossover. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, um, yeah. look, we're a bit schizo here too. Uh, yeah. I still think you know, people of my generation talk about someone being you know six foot one tall or yeah. five foot six tall or something. Yeah. And um, uh, I think you. I think in this book we. Um, yeah, we, we, we didn't convert. If, if if any of the witnesses said yeah. thing was um, 200 yards away, we, yeah, just yeah, left okay, it. Yeah. we just left it as oh, that. Really? Okay. If they said meters, okay. 
but it's it's notable that the heights that they estimate they they almost always say um, eight feet or seven feet or six feet. Yeah. They don't say two point oh one meters. No. You know, uh, occasionally younger people, the millenniums or whatever they are, they they say oh, it was over two meters tall, but. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a strange thing. Uh, Look, I, I'm with you all the way. I, I, in all of my books, unless the witness explicitly uses meters and centimeters, I, I, I report feet and inches all the way <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I like it. I don't think there's any reason for us to use it. It's also, it's, it's almost like culturally characteristic of who we are. We don't need to, we understand yeah. meters and so that's, that's fine. Mm. But um, let's just keep a little something on what we have, you know, that makes us us. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Tony, I should let you go because I know you've probably got stuff to get on with. And I've got um, I've got two homeschool children down there waiting to do their Sunday lessons. Oh, my and, God. Uh, really? oh. We homeschool both our kids. Yeah. So um, we have oh, since 2020. And um, yeah. Wow. yeah, it's going well, but they need it. They need a bit more discipline because that's that's too soft. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good luck to you. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Mate. You're a good fun. Well, uh, so, I'll, um, uh, I'll email that stuff across the Layston Abbey and all the the details of the oh, sighting. Yeah. I think yeah thanks. It. Yeah. I'll um, I'll uh, I'll get out my highlighter and yeah. highlight the town. Next yeah. time, I'll um, I'll go back to Bungay and the area, but. Um, yeah, at the moment, my, my travel plans are um, stuck to that fridge over there with a, a magnet, you know, in the okay. form of a lottery ticket. Okay. Although I, I could I could raise the superannuation. Well, I suppose. On, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a, yeah. make it worth your while. You work out a great trip. So you'll go to Loch Ness and Morar again and all these places. Oh, and, uh, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love, I'd yeah. love to go back to Lake uh, Bala as well. You've got some nice reports from Bala yeah. in here. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lynn Taggart, uh, that's the Welsh name. Lynn Taggart, yeah. Lynn yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, there's some great uh, great stories in here. God, it's jam packed. Wait, so, that what book weird... is the third version. And the second version, uh, I wasn't happy with it again because I've never written a book. And uh, I just thought, okay, make it. This is the last vision. Make it the way you want it this time. So I took 130 yeah. pages out, put 160 new ones in. Different to the <laughs> yeah. second version, yeah. Oh, I thought, okay, oh, that's no. it now. It's probably only got yeah. 100 typos in there. That'll do. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> it's, it came up really well. It came up well, you know. Oh, thank you. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's typos in here. I don't know whether you noticed one, one, one uh, flaw in this book is that the same photograph is... Um, Duplicated. Uh, it's in oh. the Gorilla Man case that oh. uh, Gary opened. Um, uh, when was it? Twenty eleven, I think. Uh, what page is that? It's twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. On page two four four, we've got a picture of uh, Gorilla Man Falls. Two four four. Yeah, page, Gorilla Man Falls. Page. Yeah, I see it. And then, then uh, on uh, two pages earlier, on page two forty-one, it's the same photograph. Oh, oh well, you know. Yeah, what a bummer! 
Uh, what's book designer. Is that? Yeah, book designer got confused. There was a nice photograph of one of the witnesses, um, uh, or the, the key witness, actually. Uh, so it's a bit of a shame. But um, anyway, yeah, Gary Opick was um, very generous sharing all that with us. I just, and, uh, all the stuff is just, I just, I can't get past it. But Gary, do you know anything about X? And then, like, four pages of material going across. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, like, thanks. Yeah. Thank you very much. That that will um that will yeah. keep me going for a yeah. while. The book you've got there, yeah. I realized recently, um, because I had copies of the book, but I never really looked in, in detail. Some of the photos were really dark. I got the publishing company to lighten them up. I don't know how they... They obviously didn't proof uh -huh. the copy when they printed it first. And uh, I don't know if it's the same in your copy, but... Uh, now I've changed it, that some of the darker photos you can see quite well, but one or two of them just look like black squares. So um, oh, anyway, that... you find out these things after the fact normally, don't you? And um, yeah, 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 yes. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, you should I be just... proud of your books there. Uh, oh, thank you. Great. Thank you. We just described the heavens high seven foot tall figure. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, the to, woo, the woo is that. Use that as my bedtime reading tonight and scare oh, the hell out of myself. Don't do that. But anyway, Andy, well, <laughs> it was great to talk to yeah, you. Again, always mate. a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for thanks for allowing us to plug the book. Oh, well, uh, I, and I'll, it'll be on the page again. And I, I mean, these are my these are my go to books. Uh, uh, honestly, it's uh, it's very genuine uh, respect, and it's you know it's good to make the friendship. I, I do really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no worries at all, and and get yourself out here to Australia. Um, we'll get together, and um, for instance, if you were coming in September, I could show you some of the territory up there. Oh, it's I would love See that. It's um, it's <laughs> probably unlikely, but maybe if the Weird Britain uh, series goes well, because it's going to be on TV. Uh, we we're, yeah. were planning weird other places, so maybe a weird Australia could yeah. be on the cards. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take we'll Tony up to the, to the Northern Territory and, you know, sort of dig in. It's a very respectful <laughs> series, this? in a way. You know, it's it's about looking at uh, what people are yeah. into, but it's, it's never sort of, you know, mm. in a sort of, oh, look at these guys. It's a very nice look at mm. what people like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair anyway, enough. I should jump off. British people can't end conversations. Okay, and yeah, they, yeah good, I'll good go. luck with the homeschooling. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye -bye. See you next time, Andy. See ya. Good night.